This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, March 27, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Barack Obama has unveiled his plan for the war in Afghanistan, taking a more regional approach than the U.S. has in the past. Cato Institute foreign policy analyst Malou Innocent says it's a critical step in the right direction. But stabilizing Afghanistan and fighting an insurgency can't be effectively won while killing the livelihoods of so many Afghan farmers by destroying opium poppy. Her forthcoming paper, Pakistan and the Future of U.S. Policy, will be released by the Cato Institute next month. Well, we shouldn't be too surprised with Barack Obama's plan to refocus America's efforts toward the war in Afghanistan and its blowback effects and spilling over into neighboring Pakistan. In fact, during the presidential campaign, Barack Obama was unequivocal in his commitment to go after al-Qaeda and the Taliban and argued that, unfortunately, his predecessor's neglect of the region is why U.S. and NATO forces are having such trouble there today. Uh, Just this week, Barack Obama outlined a plan to uh, essentially forge a diplomatic uh, cooperation with neighboring countries, also to train uh, Afghan forces, and to refocus our efforts not simply on the national government, on the central government in Kabul, but also to focus more on the local and provincial levels to bring security to these far-flung provinces. These are steps in the right direction, and they're all critical to ensure that we can at least stabilize this war-ravaged nation and to bring some semblance of stability to nuclear-armed neighboring Pakistan. Uh, But we also should keep in mind, I think, that simply increasing the number of troops doesn't mean that we can achieve stability in this region. In fact, we should keep in mind that in 2001, when we initially went in, we were able to both uh, topple the Taliban government and remove al-Qaeda with only a small number of special operations forces, and mostly with the help of the Northern Alliance, which is the the domestic-level enemy of the Taliban. So we shouldn't be focused so much on the number of troops, but rather how these troops are employed in the field and the tactics they employ. And this sort of gets into the counterinsurgency aspects that were applied in Iraq that will be much differently applied in Afghanistan, but there are lessons that we can learn in the sense of not simply just targeting the enemy, but protecting the population. And right now, the problem that coalition forces face is not that the Afghans like the Taliban, the Afghans fear the Taliban, and they're reluctant to offer intelligence to coalition forces for fear of reprisal. So again, offering security in the local and provincial levels will help alleviate some of that stress and hopefully lead to a more expeditious withdrawal from the region within the next several years. Two troubling aspects of our continuing effort in Afghanistan. One is that there will be continued elimination of opium poppy, uh, the lifeblood for, for many people in Afghanistan. The other is that only recently, at least according to the Wall Street Journal on March 20th, we are just now coming to a consensus that a country like Afghanistan may not be able to be governed centrally from Kabul. Why was that ever conventional wisdom that it could possibly be governed from uh, Kabul? It's only uh, a bizarre realization, honestly. I mean, this is something uh, that's only, as you mentioned, uh, has come to the fore within the past several weeks. But this is something that the nature of Afghanistan is something that we should have been understanding when we initially went in. Uh, Three quarters of the population live in most of the rural areas of the country. It's more of a complex tapestry of traditional tribal structures rather than a cohesive post-Westphalia nation state. And so I think in the future, we should take Afghanistan as it is, 
rather than what we want it to be. And so not only does that mean having a, a, a decreased reliance on a central state governed uh, from Kabul, but also understanding that many of the farmers in these rural areas rely on the opium poppy crop for their own livelihood. And so we should focus our efforts to targeting those who are in cahoots with insurgent groups and not simply those who depend on it again for their livelihood. As Dr. Carpenter and David Ritgers both argue persuasively in various articles that they've written, uh, both together and separately, uh, 90% of the opium in the world comes from Afghanistan. So we're not just fighting these Afghan farmers, we're fighting global demand. And it's going to be something that's futile, but also pushes these wavering tribes further into the Taliban camp, because the Taliban and other insurgents use our eradication efforts to bolster their own legitimacy and to say, well, look, this is uh, this is actually a great propaganda tool because the U.S. and coalition forces are uh, eliminating your livelihood, and so this is a reason to join us. And so, of course, there'll be many of the tribesmen will be even more reluctant to offer intelligence if we continue to destroy drug processing facilities and eradicate opium fields. In securing Afghanistan, uh, if we are successful, there are risks to achieving that end, aren't there? There are, absolutely. And I think it's important to keep in mind that Afghanistan and Pakistan are firmly interlocked, both historically, geographically, culturally, politically. And so our attempts to stabilize Afghanistan inadvertently destabilize Pakistan, which should matter more for U.S. policy because it is a nuclear-armed Muslim-majority country that's unfortunately being engulfed by this radical insurgency. And I think that a lot of the the uh, premise of the motivation to try and have this sort of troop surge, if we'll call it this right now, is to sort of preempt the spring and summer offensive that we'll likely see from the Taliban in Afghanistan. But in the sense, we have to also make sure that our interests are aligned with Pakistan. And unfortunately, right now, on the strategic level, Islamabad and Washington are not on the same page. And this is for an assortment of reasons. Domestically within Pakistan, it's politically untenable for their leaders to go after these militants more vigorously because we're essentially asking them to launch a civil war against their own people. Another problem is that in many of the tribal areas, you see Pashtun frontier corps soldiers fighting fellow Pashtuns. So that also creates a difficulty. Another problem is that many of the very popular political parties have linkages to these militant groups, but these political parties also fund hospitals, schools, and clinics. So going after these groups vigorously will also undermine, again, their domestic support. And also, another problem is that the United States is perceived to be a greater threat within the region, an even greater threat than al-Qaeda and the Taliban. And of course, that sounds preposterous to us, but given the, the not only the history of U.S. relations with Pakistan, of the severing of relations and after the, their 19th 65 war with India, after uh, we imposed sanctions on Pakistan, after the Soviet war, and today, uh, given uh, the so-called uh, war on terror under the Bush years, uh, there's it's been quite tumultuous, the bilateral relations. And so we should be careful not to think that we can outsource this war to Pakistan, but we also should understand where they're coming from and their own domestic interests within the region. And I think this is why Barack Obama's plan, again, to incorporate more of the countries within the region, within the region are critical steps step forward. We can no longer conceive and perceive Afghanistan within this narrow vacuum. Uh, not only is Pakistan having a hand in Afghanistan, so has India, so has Russia, so does the Central Asian Republic, Saudi Arabia, Iran, the United States. So not only is Afghanistan known as the graveyard of empires, it's also known as the highway of conquest. And throughout its very turbulent history, various countries, both within the region and outside the region, have had to have tried to shape Afghanistan's trajectory for their own geopolitical ends. Malou Innocent is a foreign policy analyst at the Cato Institute and author of the forthcoming analysis, Pakistan and the Future of U.S. Policy. 
to be released next month at cato.org.